From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's the show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com And welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. And each episode, our special guest brings with them a movie that traumatized them as a child. This week, our guest is Addison Peacock. She is an incredibly talented voice actor and stage actor, as well as a writer whose work has been published in places such as Slash Film, Fandom, and Dread Central. Welcome to the show, Addison! Ah, hi! Hi! I'm so happy to be here! We're so excited to have you here, because, like, you know, you interact with people on Twitter, and it's like, okay, this is great, but... I want to talk to you. And so that's. I also do have to say that I've been, uh, I think I told you this on Twitter, but I used to listen to the No Sleep podcast religiously and you were my favorite person. And so when you followed me on Twitter, oh. I almost had a heart attack. And now that I know you, no. I was like, I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> like, it's so cool. But yeah, so that's a creepy that's thing so sweet. about me to you. <laughs> <laughs> Not creepy. It's so nice. Thank you. <laughs> so um, that. That that anecdote <laughs> aside, um, <laughs> how did you get into horror? Oh, God, that's such a good question. I've been into horror, probably not probably, I've been into horror forever. I uh, 
Not movies, though. Movies took me a while. Mm. I am. I grew up reading like Goosebumps and uh, grew up on just R.L. Stein's whole oeuvre. (laughs) My mom raised me on a lot of Edgar Allan Poe. Mm. Oh. So I grew up uh, hearing like. Um, Telltale Heart and like The Raven and uh, The Black Cat was a favorite of mine. I would check out like these like compendiums of R.L. St- Stein. I love him, but of Edgar Allan Poe uh, from the school library and read through them. I was very like a uh, very like gothic literature child. <laughs> I was a creepy kid. Uh, fuck yeah. And I loved a lot of compilations of like ghost stories, mm. like the like unsolved mysteries, like local ghost story type books. Uh, I tore through all of those. I loved the scary stories to tell in the dark mm. books. But it took me a lot longer to get into any kind of horror films. I actually, uh, um, like, the first horror movie I tried to watch was Poltergeist. And oh. I, I, like, started just, like, scream crying. I was so upset psychically by Carol Ann inside the TV trying to get back to her family that I, like, forced my parents to turn it off. And I was, like, just very upset about it. Do you it. know how old you were um, at the time? Uh, I was probably, uh, probably 10, 10. Yeah. And I was just, like... I just, like, fucking lost my shit. It wasn't, like, scared, per se. I was, like, I was upset about it. Um, huh. it, it gave me psychic damage. Oh, my God. <laughs> but in general, I've been a creepy kid forever. <laughs> Incredible. And so once you started getting into horror movies, what were some of your favorites? Oh, man. I think the first proper horror movie I actually watched and enjoyed was um, uh, The Shining. Mm. Mm, wow. How old, How old were you, old do you, you? think? <laughs> Jinx. I was in middle school. Middle school? Wow. Yeah, I, I'm trying to remember. I we, we talked about The Shining before on the podcast. I'm not a fan. But um, <laughs> I remember, I think I was probably in the same same age group. Mary Beth shaking your head at me, listeners, because, well, as she should. <laughs> a, a, point of, a rare point of contention between the two of us is your opinion on The Shining. <laughs> I, I saw it in middle school, too, and it, so much of that went over my fucking head. <laughs> mm. It was like, what is happening? My again, like the guy, oh, yeah. the guy, uh, the bear guy in the bear suit giving a blowjob to the other guy. Did that that haunted me forever. Um, <laughs> so, besides the movie that we're talking about today, Addison, wh- were there other films that really fucked you up besides Poltergeist? Ooh, okay, great question. Thinking about oh, Ghostbusters too. <laughs> really? Oh, interesting. The slime. <laughs> The slime freaked me the fuck out. Like the slime coming out of the faucets. Uh-huh. I, I, I have, I have very few childhood memories of Ghostbusters 2 aside from that. The first Ghostbusters was fine. I was not scared <laughs> of it. The second one, I was very scared of it. Stuff in bathrooms really freaked me out. I think it's because when I was, uh, when I was little, little, like eight, eight years old, I thought that my, um, the bathroom by my, like, my, my classroom was haunted. <laughs> Cause like a bunch of girls started a rumor that like, bloody mary haunted that bathroom <laughs> and wait uh, you had a you had a rumor like that too were you <laughs> did you yes! we had a rumor that like this one bathroom by my second grade classroom was fucking haunted and i could never go in it by myself because i was totally scared i was gonna get fucked up by a ghost yes <laughs> such a weirdly that's a weird shared experience i would love that though i thought i was the only one that had some weird some cool bathroom drama <laughs> I know that this isn't what you mean by getting fucked up by the ghost, but like I was just imagining a ghost like pinning you to the wall and saying, give me your lunch money because, you know, bullying at school. That's what I was imagining when you said that. It's ghosts. It's just ghosts. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Were there any other films besides Ghostbusters 2 that really got under your skin? It's a kid's movie and I love it a lot as an adult and I loved it as a kid too, but I was was very scared of Don't Look Under the Bed, Mm. the decom. Okay. 
decoms. It's the boogeyman when they pulled it from circulation after like a year of it being on the air because it was too scary. Oh, really? Like Disney stopped airing it. You can find it on Disney Plus now, but they stopped airing it for years. They wouldn't air it because parents complained. Wow. Oh, I'm seeing like little screenshots of it with this guy with fucked up contacts and and Yeah, it's about like the boogeyman and like a girl teaming up with her little brother's imaginary friend to like get rid of the boogeyman after he starts like doing shit and like pulling pranks and shit in their town and framing her. It's a great movie. It's a great kids horror movie. But there's a few like pieces of imagery of the boogeyman with like the fucked up eyes and like the long nails and stuff that really spooked me. That looks more intense than what I would expect from a decom. It really is. Wow. Holy shit. I know that you said you got into like horror movies a little later in your childhood, but did were, were you a scared kid watching movies or reading books and stuff, or were you dealing with them pretty well? Oh, I would get very scared. Yeah. I just enjoyed them enough. I just enjoyed them enough that I, I dealt with it anyway. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Was Oh, and so you talk about books, though. Like, what was like, what book really scared you? Was like there one book that kind of like stuck with you after you read it? Yes, yes, yes. It was the first Goosebumps book. It was Welcome to Dead House. I read it too young. And I don't know if you've read Welcome to Dead House or like how into Goosebumps Mm -hmm. uh, you guys are. Oh, I love Goosebumps. But Welcome to Dead House, it was sort of, it's the first Goosebumps book and it was sort of before R.L. Stein kind of ironed out his middle grade style. And he had first been writing for like a YA audience. So Welcome to Dead House, as opposed to like the other Goosebumps books, has, in my opinion, this much darker, kind of bleaker tone. A lot of the later Goosebumps books, they get really silly. Mm-hmm. It's like egg monsters from Mars, um, monster blood, which still freaked me out, but it's like slime that makes things grow giant. You know, mm-hmm. the first Welcome to Welcome to Dead House is literally like very grounded story. Family moves into a house. Their neighbors are all dead. Yeah. <laughs> they died during like a fog that came over the town, an inexplicable fog that rolled over the town years ago and left all of them dead and sort of as these zombie type creatures that have to feed on blood to survive. And they fake this house being inherited to like lure new families into their town and then they kill them um and i remember getting to like the point where they were like all encroaching on the house and they're like let us in we're dead and i and i was like seven and i could not fucking handle it uh, I, I i stopped side note and this i'm sorry and this won't mean anything to you but uh this book was read to us in class in my fifth grade class by the what same the teacher fuck? By the same Hilarious. teacher mary beth that would later say what do men's balls have <laughs> do you remember from like our episode on yep. Carrie? I do, in fact, our remember. Te- our fifth grade teacher was teaching us um, sex ed, and this is the same teacher that introduced me to Goosebumps. Balls and Goosebumps. <laughs> Balls and Goosebumps. Ew. Sums up my life? I, I, oh, no. God, we got to move on. We got to change the subjects. <laughs> so, <laughs> Addison, as an adult, do you get scared watching horror movies? You know, honestly... <laughs> I keep being like, good question. Like I'm like on Larry King or something, but <laughs> I'm like, I'm not, dec- I don't know what that is, but, um, I, I do. It really depends on the movie. I, I love being scared. So I mostly, if something is like creepy, scary, I just kind of am delighted by it. Like a good example is I like make people watch like the conjuring oh, first conjuring mm-hmm. movie with me. Cause I think it's, it's very good feelings about the Warrens aside. I'll put that on a back burner. Um, <laughs> I think it's a good movie. I love James Wan. It's a good movie. Um, and there's a lot of great little like creepy haunted housey things mm-hmm. in it. There's like the music box and the hide and clap. And oh, every time I clap. watch it with someone who's never seen it, I like uncontrollably like creepy little girl giggle when creepy shit's about to happen. Cause I love that stuff. Oh, I love that. <laughs> but I'm very susceptible to jump scares. 
Fair enough. So I'm not like easily scared anymore, but I am extremely easily startled. That's a good way to put it, because I definitely am like easily startled. Like jump scares always like even if I know it's coming, I'm like I still jump. I, I don't know. It's just who I am as a person. I'm like a nervous, like, little dog that's always shaking. <laughs> yes. Uh, but I, I'm very easily startled. I'm, I'm, uh, and it's much worse when I am doing something like, I'm desensitized enough to movies, but uh, video games, uh, horror oh. video games really get me. Oh, yeah. And I also, I love, but I'm very easily gotten to by uh, haunts. Oh, okay. Um, oh, I love yeah. going to haunted mazes and stuff. I went to the LA Haunted Hayride uh, with my roommate. And we were we went through their haunted mazes as well, and they were great, by the way. But um, I, I warned her ahead of time. I was like, "I'm going to scream a lot," <laughs> and she's like, "Okay." And it, it it was true. I I'm a very easy target for haunt actors. They like can tell pretty fast I'm an easy mark, and then they'll like target yeah. me. <laughs> and I love it. It's fun, but I'm also screaming a lot. It's like a lot of screaming and laughing and screaming and laughing and screaming. It's sounds like that a quintessential like horror time. experience. <laughs> Yes. Basically, I'm still easily scared and startled, but I like it a lot more now. Oh, cool. yeah. Going back, okay, you said you, you horror video games scary. Do you do you play them still? I do. What's your Have you played any recently that you really like? Yes. Um I actually I can plug something here really quick actually. Oh, yeah. I just did um what I hope becomes a series. Uh I just did a, a, a piece for fandom where I played uh, Resident Evil Village and I listed every time I screamed out loud while playing it. Um, That's incredible. Uh, it's called Scream Counter. I'm trying to like get a series going. Hell yeah. That's um, so cool. Because yeah, I'm very easily jump scared. And so many people told me they were like, oh, Village is like the least scary Resident Evil game they've had in a while. You probably won't scream that much. And I was like, <laughs> okay. We'll see. Do you know me? Um, the first half of it, I think, is like the, the Jesus. Like that one is like traditionally in the first half to me is like pretty scary. Yeah. But again, I'm also easily And then I just got. I haven't played it yet, but I just got Biohazard in like the Steam sale, Ooh, so, which I've been told is scarier. It's yeah, I, I don't think there's a lot of jump scares in that one, from what I remember. But it's a really that's fair, a really good game. I I like I like Resident Evil a lot. I'm I'm very new to the to the franchise, but I'm a big fan. But I, I do love it. I also just like unlocked in the middle of talking talking about like old. <laughs> memories and things i just unlocked a memory of being in i think high school when the slender man game came out and this oh. before it was really available widely you had to like go to the sketchy website and download <laughs> it oh um, yeah and i played it with my best friend in like my room with all the lights off on my laptop and we were just shrieking <laughs> um just screaming um hell yeah i don't yeah i don't handle jump scares well i would get very very tense i get very very stressed but i love it and i seek it out so when you're like because i'm sick lost in the but, woods trying to find paper like journal pages mm, or something yeah. right okay it's like you're in the woods and then there's like this like kind of state park like bathroom complex oh, yeah. set with like all the tile and the and the like winding halls and that's a very scary one oh, to get jump scared i hate in. that part <laughs> That set is the scariest part. The woods aren't as scary as the, like, bathroom set. Because you can't, you have to turn all those corners, and you never know what's going to be in the Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the shit that got me when I was a kid, and I watched The Shining, all those shots of Danny riding his bike around yeah. the halls. What movies have you seen recently, like, in the past couple of years, that have really scared the shit out of you? That really scared me. Have you seen, um, and I have to make sure I say the right one and not the one that I didn't like, um, not 
Terrifier the Clown movie. Drink, listeners. But terrified. Everyone Drink, take listeners. a shot. It's our favorite game is who's going to say terrified because everyone says terrified for good fucking reason. it's so scary. It's so scary. It's so scary. <laughs> but it's just so funny whenever, like, Terry and I always, like, we'd laugh now and say everyone take a shot when someone says terrified. And again, not a bad Happy thing. Too. It's an incredible movie. It's just I'll funny. I'll drink to that. It's... Oh, God, that movie scared the shit out mm-hmm. of me. Um, Us too. I, and a lot of guests. That one scared the shit out of me. And then, actually, um, Host scared the shit the out of me. Host scared the shit out of me, too. Me, too. I watched it alone in my room at, like, 3 o'clock in the morning, and I watched the whole last, like, 10 minutes through my fingers. You should, watch, you should watch Caveat. Have you seen Caveat, Addison? I have not seen Caveat. It, it's... I... I there was a, a woman, at, a scare at one point that I screamed, and I don't usually scream. So, oh, very good. It's on That'll get me good. Then. I, okay, I have Shutter. I love Shutter. Big fan of Shutter. Yeah, I, I would. Rec- I highly recommend. I think those are like the. That's like the two that have really scared me. I tend to like seek out movies that are like kind of fun horror mm-hmm. like at least the last like year or two i have because of the you know everything <laughs> i see stuff that's a little bit more on the like horror comedy or like kind of campy silly like teens in peril side but i love a teens in peril movie that's a whole thing um <laughs> what what are your favorite like uh i, I guess your favorite subgenre of horror is it the kind of uh, horror comedy um i love horror comedy i love teens in peril mm-hmm. horror so like a lot of like cabin in the woodsy stuff mm-hmm. or like um like any any it's hard to, <laughs> teens in peril movies yeah. you know like slasher um, do you like slashers i like both okay. i like slashers and then i really like a lesser used one is teens in peril supernatural oh. i think like a recent example that i enjoyed even though it's like not a quote-unquote great movie uh i really enjoyed truth or dare i thought that was a blast oh cool okay um, that kind of stuff like a like a bunch of teens who aren't paying attention and should know better and they touch something supernatural and then go "Uh uh-oh um teens in peril i Uh, love that teens in peril meets my other favorite subgenre in unfriended which is internet found footage oh boy (laughs) like i love you and me both uh we're both found footage defenders but i love specifically internet found footage it's my favorite kind i love um I love uh fucking unfriended, unfriended to the dark web host um of uh, uh the den. The de- I was gonna say I hope you've seen the den because that's incredible. Love the den. Love the den. Love the den. Yes. Cool. Oh, so good. There needs to be more of them. I'm uh, excited for more of them. I feel like there aren't that many me right too. now, and I know it's like a it's like a new format. But like the den was so out of its time in like 2010, making a second screen Dinner more unfriended. Honestly, yeah, that's who I forgot. Like. Time is fake, and I'm like, Unfriended was last year. No, it wasn't. I don't know where I'm at. But... It came out in, like, 2013. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's going on with my brain? But, okay, yes, those are incredible. Yes. But, yeah, that's my that's some of my favorites. Um, cool. And then I love, like, I love, I love, I like slashers a lot, but I'm always more game for a haunting or a mm. supernatural kind of cool. creature feature than I am for slasher. Sweet. Awesome. Oh, yeah. And so, okay, I want to talk to you a little bit about your voice acting career because, like I said oh, before, yeah. I discovered I discovered you through a pod- like, podcast you were on, and like uh, you have an incredible voice. And mm-hmm. so, I would just love to Thank hear you. like how you got into the voice acting and like what what you love so much about that kind of craft. So, I went to school for musical theater. That was what I went to undergrad for. Hell yeah! I um. 
fellow music theater kid. <laughs> this is... Yeah, there's a lot of crossover. This podcast is called Scarred for Life, but I don't think that's the kind of trauma you want to hear about. So I'm just going to kind of skirt around a lot of the theater school talk. Uh, but I did go to theater school. Um, mixed bag of an experience. Yeah. But, you know. Uh, <laughs> but I got to around uh, my junior year. And I was feeling kind of creatively frustrated. Um, I wasn't really getting a lot of opportunities in the actual program. All of the kind of creative opportunities I was having were sort of uh, self-created. I started writing a lot in college as well. So I was like doing a lot of playwriting and like kind of staging small things with my friends and stuff. But I, I was I was feeling very kind of creatively frustrated. And I had been listening to a lot of a uh, lot of audio drama podcasts, a lot of fiction podcasts. I was really into Welcome to Night Vale at that mm-hmm. point. Still am. But that was like the height of the obsession I was really into um, a lot of other podcasts. And then I was into, into the no sleep podcast. And I was like, I don't know. I have acting training. I love horror. I have friends who are sound engineers. that could cut like a demo for me. Um, so I just like reached out and was like, Hey, can I submit a, a demo to you guys? And then I had a friend of mine who's a, a studying sound engineering. She cut uh, like a rough demo for me. I paid her uh, to cut like a, just super like thrown together like i put, took snippets from like reddit slash our scary our short scary stories wow. and i like just cobbled a, a like a really rough demo together and then um it worked out uh, i ended up voice acting there for quite some time that's amazing <laughs> um and it was really great because it, it, it sort of it sort of uh, allowed me to begin being a working actor while I was still in school and actually also feel like I could be a working actor when I was in a department that perhaps I wasn't really getting a lot of opportunities to grow as an actor outside of the classroom. I wasn't really performing much. Uh, I did five years of theater school because I transferred schools partway Good through God. when I was in so uh, many years of theater two school. shows the whole time. Wait, really? Oh, yeah. I never I barely got cast. What the fuck? Um, yeah. I was in two shows the whole time. One was in, I was in the ensemble and the other was an understudy, so I didn't actually get a performance. I'm going to uh, fight God. So I <laughs> was bored. <laughs> so I started voice acting. I went uh-huh. to school sucks, to be Sucks a... to suck for those professors. I Right. Goes to show Seriously. them. Anyway. <laughs> I went to school with the intent of being a, a drama teacher. And um, oh, yeah. I wanted, I loved acting. And my freshman year of, 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 of college was not getting cast in anything because I wasn't the right body type. And mm. uh, yeah, exactly. And so I was like, maybe this really isn't for me. And <laughs> then, I, then when I had to, I had to transfer school, I was like, no, I'm not going to pursue it because this is just not... Not for me. <laughs> I didn't know that, and now I'm yeah. very sad. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. I was that. I was in high school too. Like I was, I you know always get parts of like the bit parts, and I was so mm-hmm. frustrated. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's here's the thing though. I I will say, and I have a few people who took the more traditional avenue that are thriving, and those are and and I like. I'm very happy for all of them, and I support all of them. Most of the people that I connected with artistically in school that are still in a creative field did the same kind of thing where they sort of learned the skills in the department, mm-hmm. but then sort of carved their own way. And I think that's kind of how most people, most people come out of stuff like that. If you're not a very specific type of person, uh, you end up kind of being like, well, thank you for the experience and for the information that I learned about like myself and my artistry. And thank you for the, some, some of the skills. And now I'm going to figure out something else. Yep. Um, 
But look, uh, no, no sleep podcast. That's amazing. And I'm, I'm super grateful for my time there. I'm, uh, I'm not, I'm not there anymore because sometimes, you know, you do a thing for a really long time and it stops feeling, you know, fun. Yeah. And you have to kind of figure out a new, a new path. I'm still doing podcast stuff. Uh, I took, I took time away from voice acting, uh, actively when I was, uh, finishing my master's, which I just finished in May. Congrats. Thank you. That's a big deal. That shit's um, so fucking hard. <laughs> yeah. So I took I like took like a formal step away from no sleep while doing my master's degree, and then I'm just sort of like barely putting my little toes back into VO now that I'm finished. Uh, cool. <laughs> so that's been good. Yeah. Thank you. I um, I you know I've done some stuff at at Dread, and uh, I uh, am at um, on the Bloody Disgusting Network. I'm on um, the uh, SCP Archives podcast they have over there. Oh, yeah. Season four coming soon. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and, and then I've just um, been, yeah, just slowly dipping my toes back in. That's awesome. Had, Thank you. So uh, you also, but you also write for sites. Um, how did you get, I do. how did you get interested in, in writing about, about horror and movies? I'll tell you what, uh, it was around the same exact time. <laughs> um, and it again kind of stemmed from feeling just sort of like bored and like I needed an outlet mm-hmm. and like I needed, um, to do stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, shortly after the no sleep stuff kicked off, I just started, you know, because of that, finding myself, uh, especially on Twitter in more like horror centric spaces and meeting more people who are in like the horror world. And, uh, yeah. I happened to, like I got a follow on Twitter from uh the Horror Honeys, which is a site that does not exist anymore, but I owe a lot to, uh, which is like a women in horror um centric uh site. And they were opening up a new slot for somebody to cover TV. They were like, it's entry level. Uh I I have a writing background, but it's like not this kind of writing. It was like plays mm-hmm. and um like short fiction and like some sketch comedy but i was like i can string sentences together and i can learn so I, look it's a I, skill I, that a I, lot I, of people don't have it's it's underappreciated <laughs> fair enough so i uh i i started there on a trial basis and i got to sort of cut my teeth there and um once i sort of built up the confidence of writing on there i did like recaps and like I did like episode recaps and trailer reactions. My big thing that I covered while I was there was uh, the first season of Channel Zero, oh, which shit. is still one of my favorite shows. Uh, and then I actually did one of my first interviews I ever did was Nick and Tosca for the Horror Honeys. Uh, That's amazing. That's an incredible he interview. He was awesome to talk to. He was so fucking cool and nice. I'm a huge fan of his work to this day, largely because one, because his work is great, but also because he was so nice and was so willing to chat with somebody who was like from kind of a small indie site and like didn't really have a lot of bylines. And like, um, I was just like, I really love your show and I've been writing about it and I really like it. Here's some of the reviews I've written. Can I talk to you about it? Wait, Um, you just reached out to him and asked? I just reached out on Twitter. I fucking love that. Like, that takes a lot of like, that's hard too. Like, I like envy, like, like, and respect that. Just like reaching out and being like, (laughs) fucking let's just go for it. Like, that's awesome. I will say one of the only, one of the only, I shouldn't say this. Someone from my school might hear this and get mad at me, but fuck it. One of the only things (laughs) I really, that I really use regularly, aside from like the specific like acting training or whatever Mm -hmm. from theater school, is I had a professor who was really, really emphasize like the power of asking for things like because the worst that happens is they say no and you're exactly where you started so like 
I internalized that really hard where it's like, why not? Why not just say, hey, can I do this thing? Because again, worst thing, they say no, and it's nothing changed. <laughs> so it's like, that's probably like one of the best things. Amazing. Like you said, you like the best thing you learned in theater school. Like that's something I it wish really more is. people like, taught you in general. Like just yeah. asking. It's a really and having that confidence. It's a really simple idea. Yeah. But it's like when someone says it to you, you're like, oh yeah, why not just say, can I do this thing? Yeah, and like you said, the worst thing they can say um, is no. And like, and yeah. then it's the same. I love that. Nothing's changed. So it's like the only thing that can happen. The worst thing that happens is nothing changes the best thing that happens is they say yes so that's, that's i'm gonna awesome. internalize that one now i need to be more like that i'm working on <laughs> it i still i still have trouble with it but i was um an enterprising 21 year old and i was much bolder i say that like it was a long time ago i'm 26 but <laughs> look the difference between 21 and 26 is a lot like in my brain <laughs> like who I, I was a very different person in those five years I'm, that's fair <laughs> but yeah i cut my teeth at the horror honeys and then again similarly i sort of uh took some time not deliberately took some time away but like school picked up i like had a few bylines here and there i like uh i got to do um uh, i did i interviewed kate siegel for the mary sue a long time ago and that was wonderful she's also so fucking lovely she is so nice she is so nice i I actually met her because i met her because she and mike had a cameo on a no sleep finale because they liked the show and then because I was like, oh, they'll know they'll know the show that I work for now. I can like reach out to her and I won't be a complete stranger. I was like, hello, <laughs> um, can I talk to you about stuff? Um, and then I I just sort of, yeah, um, had a few bylines here and there. And then I sort of took some time off finishing up my uh, not my master's, my undergrad. Holy shit. Too much school. <laughs> uh, then I went straight from undergrad to my master's program. And so for the first time this is oh my god sorry you're, you're having i'm having a lot of on-air revelations <laughs> i love this is it the it's, first in, time in it's my fucking life. incredible i love on-air revelations this is the first time in my fucking life that i haven't been in school since i started wow. school like i started school and then i went to school i did elementary school middle school high school i did college college took me a little longer because i transferred schools halfway through then i went straight to my master's degree three-year master's degree and now i'm a here three-year master's degree oh. Oh yeah. In what? Um writing, TV, film, and theater. It's a uh, it's a it's a triple um Okay, that makes sense. Designation. Yeah. Okay. Uh, My master's was nine months so, and I'm a that was fucking crazy. Don't ever do that, guys. That's Don't fair. ever do your master's in nine months. Yeah, I had the I did have the unique and exciting experience of doing my thesis in a lockdown, but Ooh, you know yay. <laughs> great wow that's so cool though easier than it could be because like my your thesis when you're in like a screenwriting program is is writing a movie it's not like doing research (laughs) but yeah i know someone who Um, had to do her thesis in the lockdown and had to be a film and she had to completely change her thesis film because of the lockdown i'm like fuck that that's so bad i had several friends i had friends who were like getting their mfa and directing and they had to do the same shit that sounds that's ridiculous um Wow. But, okay, Addison, we've chatted about your horror history. Uh We've chatted about your incredible career so far. But what movie have you brought with you today that scarred you for life? Oh, boy, oh, boy. Dead silence. (laughs) Dead silence. James Wan's unsung masterpiece. That's actually probably a hyperbole, but... um, I love this movie. Anyway, let me, for those who are unfamiliar, let's catch you up real quick. 
A young widower, widower returns to his hometown to search for answers after his wife's murder, which may be linked to the ghost of a deceased ventriloquist. I just have a... Beware the stare of, of yeah. Mary Shaw. Shaw. She had no children, only dolls. And if you see her in your dreams, be sure you never, ever scream. That's all I'm going to say about it. That's it. The episode's done. Goodbye, everybody. Uh, no. <laughs> Thanks for listening. So a funny thing about... This is a bit of a non-traditional, I think, episode for you guys, because I think as I mentioned to you uh, when we were DMing about this, I did not actually see the movie in its entirety as a child. I only saw the trailer, and that was enough. That's uh, why I wanted to hear about it. I'm very curious about, like, the whole experience of that and, like, the <clears throat> ripple effect it had. So the trailer, it's, the trailer they showed it, like, <laughs> I feel like horror movie trailers shouldn't show, like, during the day. Um, <laughs> Because let me do some math here. I wanted to see how old was I when Dead Silence came out. I have to do a little math here. Um, when did it came out? 2007? 2007. So I was 12. Okay. I was 12. And <laughs> something about 12 year old Addison that you should know is that, and this is like one of my weird like childhood things, is that I had, <laughs> oh my God, it's fine. <laughs> I haven't told this story in like its fullness on a podcast before. I can't wait. Um, You're when so I was honored. 12. I had, like, a not extensive but not insignificant collection of marionette puppets. <laughs> marionette puppets? Why? Why? Um, there was this... There was this... Okay, I'm from a small town in Virginia, and there's this part of my town uh, that's, like, the old town mall, and it's, like, this uh, kind of cobblestoned... Uh, there's no cars on it, like, cobblestone, like, walking mall, like, of street... Like, street of, like, stores uh, and, like, cafes and stuff. It's very cute. It's very, like, small town idyllic. But, um... In the summers or like in the like warm weather, there'd be people out there doing like street vendory things. Um, and one of the people that around that period of time would have stuff to display and sell in the streets, there was this, this person, this, this like woman who sold these like hand carved marionette puppets. And I, and she would like demo them and you could buy them. <laughs> this sounds so not like a real thing. Yeah, this sounds like okay, the fucking so... beginning of a horror movie, Addison. I met yeah, this woman on the it? street who made handcuffed marionettes and I bought one and it killed me uh, in my sleep. So I, I bought several of them over the... Or like I bought. My mom bought for me over the course of several years. Um, I had... Which ones did I have? I'm going to think through them all. Like I was obsessed with like... There was the first one I bought was like a lady one with like a night... Like a velvet red dress uh, with like lace cuffs and she had like those brown ringlet like that doll curls mm -hmm. and like a little like porcelain face and like little like apple cheeks and i just i loved her and i thought she was beautiful and i wanted to do puppet shows and stuff so i got the first one um and then i got no she was technically made like a maid marion doll like marionette oh. that was it because i got her and i got the robin hood together okay so i started with them and i would like play out like robin hood stuff <laughs> <laughs> make my parents watch um, so did they come complete and, with like the the like the cross on the bubble the yes. strings and you would you so you'd like yeah. yes yes full-blown like had the cross and the strings and i and I, I wasn't very good at them but i could like make them walk and like sort of ambulate around um and then i got after them i'm trying to, i don't remember the exact order but I, after them i got i had a witch like a wicked witch of the west style witch like green mm -hmm. hat nose everything then i had <laughs> This like redhead woman who had the same like ringlet curls, um, and then I had like a wizard, like a fairy tale mm -hmm. wizard, and I had a cowboy. 
Boy, that is like a wild play to put on <laughs> with that cast. Yeah. And so were they like all in your room, like watching you sleep? Yeah, they were all hanging on like like hooks on the Fuck wall off. next to my bed. Just <laughs> easy hooks uh, on the wall. I'm like, no, no, no. It's too much. Well, because they're on those like yeah. wooden crosses and they hang like, and, and my mom put just like hooks on the wall, like to stick those on so that they wouldn't like. And they had to be up a little bit higher so that the cat wouldn't get them. <laughs> Sorry, um, I just, the cat would totally fuck with that. You are like, yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to shame you as a child. It just, in my brain, it sounds terrifying. I'm just. I was fully not kidding about being kind of a creepy kid. I told you this. That's true. I was a creepy kid. But I do have a. I have a very serious question to ask, though. Yes. Are you alive or are we talking to a ghost that's being puppeted by a marionette? <laughs> as far as I know, I am alive. <laughs> are um, you a ghost? I did collect, I did have puppets. Uh, <laughs> I had a couple like very earnest collections as a child. My biggest, my like creepiest one was the puppets, but I did also have like a trunk of Beanie Babies and I had like five <laughs> notebooks full of stickers. So I was very much a collector mm-hmm. as okay, a well, child. I did that. Did that um, shit. I had so many Beanie Babies and I, Everybody had Beanie Babies and stickers. I, I did take it up a notch with the with the. With you the really puppets, did. You, but, you definitely um, did level up with the puppets. Like that is next <laughs> I level. I really wish I had. Like when I talk about them, it feels so fake. Like I wish I had pictures <laughs> I was ask of them. If you did. I bet my mom probably has photos of me with them somewhere. I'll have to ask her because I don't have any like physical evidence of them existing but i know they did because i've had conversations with my mom where i've been like i had puppets right (laughs) (laughs) found footage movie of addison as a child with her marionettes but it's an alternate reality where the marionettes are haunted and they try to strangle you with their strings i mean i think we're writing a movie now i know um, anyway, <laughs> honestly, I probably should. I probably should just go ahead and do you it. Should. But I really have. Yeah, I really have had that. You know, like I'm not. You ha- everyone has. I think like weird childhood like kind of half memories that you have to ask your parents. You're like, oh, yeah. did I dream that? Was that a real thing I did? Um, and I did have a moment where I was like, I did have puppets, and she's like, Yeah, you had puppets, because <laughs> that's important to the second part of my dead silence story, which is that um, they started airing the trailer. In probably 2006, they started airing the trailer, so I was probably 11 when the trailer started airing. And I retained nothing about it except, like, the shots of the dolls and the shot of the dummy, um, like, doing the shh on the poster. Oh, yeah. And that was enough. <laughs> I said, f- I didn't say this word at this point in my life, but truly, I was like, fuck this. Um, and I had a couple nights where I was like, having trouble sleeping because I would like be sort of in and out of sleep and I would wake up and I would see my 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 puppets on the wall <laughs> and I would see my puppets and I was like oh god it's like the it's like the trailer it's like the trailer I was so convinced that one of their heads was gonna move and look at me I was so scared and so I made my mom pack them all up in a box oh, no. and put them in like the crawl space oh my god now they're pissed off at you, Addison. Uh-huh. They're coming back right? for you. And now I don't. They're coming for I you. I don't know whatever. I'm going to be real with you both. I don't know what happened. <laughs> Next time you go home, <laughs> they're going to be waiting for you. Uh-huh. They are, probably. probably I need still to know it. There's that crawl space waiting quietly, silently. <laughs> My parents have moved since then, oh, so it's entirely possible okay. that they're in, like... 
they're either pop they're either in a storage unit somewhere or they're like gone and were donated to a goodwill and they're haunting a good or somewhere. they were left in the crawl space and some the next people oh, found God. it and they were murdered for whoever moves into that house whoever moved into that house <gasps> dead silence too guys dead silence too <laughs> dead silence too they move into the house and all my haunted ass puppets are there Can you just imagine though if you're like moving into a house and you're like going to the crawl space and there's this box and it's just full of marionettes i would be like I'm out. And be like, I'm out of here. Deuces. That's the yeah. thing, right? Like, that would be so creepy. Well, I love that you were a marionette collector as a child. Like, for I really multiple liked years. My scary... <laughs> I really did. Yes, I had, I had like, a robust collection. Like, again, not, like, a ton. Not, like, a ton of them. But enough that for, like, a child, yeah, a it's a lot of marionettes. Of marionettes. That's a lot. So, like, did you? I had, like, six of them. Did you have, like, your friends play with them with you? Yeah. Incredible. Did you put on plays and stuff? Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> I, love I love that, though. That. I mean, like, I, it's creepy, I, I, like, a little bit creepy, but it's also really cute. Like, I think it's kind of cool that you gotta play, like, I play with Brad's dolls, and, like, that that's its own kind of horrifying weird shit. Like, I had dolls and stuff, too, but I was very into the marionettes because I think, like, I, I liked that there was, like, a skill involved. Yeah. I was trying to, like, learn how to make them move well. Um, when you can kind of see where you got your creative spark and, you know, yeah. going to school for theater and stuff, you're... I'm an only child too, so like a lot of what I did as a kid was like forcing my parents to watch me put on little shows. <laughs> I <laughs> um, love that. I love that. So because I had no siblings to bother. So I would just I would do that kind of shit a lot. Uh they indulged me way too much. They let me just put on force them to watch my little shows a lot. Oh. Um I love that. Honestly, I love my parents a lot, weird, but it's very, I think about that a lot. I'm like, you guys accidentally fostered, like, way too much confidence in forcing people to watch my little shows. So, um, but when did you yeah. finally watch? Did you ever finally, like, watch Dead Silence? I did. Like, how old were you? I watched it in college. Oh, wow. So there was a, ga- a big gap between. Yes. Oh, my God. And it's great. I, I Terry doesn't agree with you with me on this one, but it's a lot. Of I fun. love this movie. I saw this in oh. high school. Amazing. I talked about these before, but I used to have two best friends in high school, and every Halloween, I think from freshman to senior year, we would have a Halloween movie night where we would like go to someone's house and watch a ton, like rent movies from Blockbuster, and just watch them. And Dead Silence was. I think the first year, because it was 2007. So I think that was the first year of horror movies. And I remember in high school being actually kind of freaked out by it, because I, I dolls scared the shit out of me um, for a bit. Dolls are dolls scary. Dolls are scary mm-hmm. shit. And I was, like, super excited to watch it. And I, I had a really good time. I thought it was gross. And that was also, like, when Mirror, close to when, I think we watched Mirrors the same time, when he, like, he, she rips her mouth open. And oh. I think mm-hmm. mouth horror really fucks with me. Um, so I liked, Ooh, yeah. yeah, like, the tongue, in this movie, they get their tongues ripped out when they scream. And so, like, that kind of imagery always really got under my skin. And it's not so bad now, but rewatching it, I was like, this movie's just fun. Like, it's so... It's got the James Wan vibes, and it's very obviously very early James Wan, so it's not like as good as The Conjuring and Insidious, but you can see like where he's starting to get like the ideas for his scares and like the way his you know his characters like his ghosts always have a very specifically weird like over exaggerated like makeup to make them not look 
you know what I like their eyes look bigger they're like very sunken in but very striking faces yeah. and eyes and like weird it's hands. kind of like drag in some ways yeah. like interesting like taking yeah. the, the human form and like exaggerating it to in in this in this case terrifying degrees but yeah exactly and so you see that a lot with like mary shaw but also in the puppet design a lot of those puppets that they have mm-hmm. have that similar look and I know that this is a movie that kind of fucked James James Wan's career for a bit, but I don't think it's as bad as people say it is. I really don't. Like, here's how I feel about it. Having watched it as an adult after being so, so scared of it as a child, I had a very distinct experience when I watched it. Adult is maybe a stretch, but I was like 19. Um... You know, first of all, they can't all be hits. Honestly, <laughs> if I had made Saw, I feel like I'd be allowed to make a stink or two. Um, but uh, I was very tickled when I by watching it, like because it was like this thing that scared me so much when I was a kid. Just conceptually, there's no way that the film would have ever lived up to the fear that I felt at mm-hmm. just the vague idea of the movie. <laughs> so when I finally watched it, I was like. Oh my god, this is so silly. Like I had a great time. I like I had a great time. I I was like it's an evil doll movie with Jace with with uh with Jason from fucking True Blood Ooh. and Ryan Quantin. I love Ryan Quantin. The Eternal Himbo. Um, he's such he's a with so that cute. Ron yeah. Thomas haircut in this movie. I Just know. like rocking it. He's not a good actor, though. I had such a great time. I mentioned that I have this, like, quality that makes me, like, when I'm watching, like, a spooky movie with people who are more sensitive to the spooky and not the startle, um, that I get this I have this impulse to just sort of, like, like, I just, like, cackle with, like, <laughs> like a, like a cartoon witch. I just have a great time. I love and, and watching that, I was watching it with my, with a friend of mine, my friend Cassandra. I name checked her. I don't know. I, I don't know if she'll hear this. Cassandra. Shout out to Cassandra. You're great. Shout out to Cassandra. Um, <laughs> But I was watching it with my friend Cassandra, and she was getting very creeped out by it. But every time the dolls were doing creepy shit, I was just like, yeah! <laughs> yes! Um, and it was just, it was very, uh, it was very healing for me <laughs> to finally have the closure of like, oh, this isn't, this isn't scary. This isn't, you're not scary. Um, I love that. I had a very good time with it, though. Uh, and I just screamed with like, glee at the twist ending i thought it was the most bad shit oh thing my I'd fucking ever god seen. And i actually kind of forgot about the twist ending until i saw it like i knew there was a twist but i fucking forgot the full range of the, the twist body is horror. my favorite part of the movie it's so unhinged it makes no sense but it's so <laughs> crazy that i am willing to accept it anyway like i don't care that it doesn't make sense so we'll talk about that in a second because there's actually some really oh, yeah. interesting shit about the ending that i want to talk about but terry i Ooh, okay, want yes. to hear from you about what you think of Dead Silence, because I know that you're not as keen on it as Addison and I are. Okay, so Addison, I'm, sorry, sorry, I'm also sorry that you're always the bad guy. <laughs> I know. <No. laughs> That's okay. It's my lot in life. What can I say? Okay, but Addison, you said you were 19 when you saw this, right? Probably. Yeah. How old were you, Mary Beth? Uh, 15, 14 or 15. Okay. I I just also should say that I have a real fondness in my heart for movies that make no fucking sense. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I do. Okay, I do too now. But like, 2007 Terry was a very different Terry. I was. <laughs> he was. I would have been. Terry. What was? What, 2000. Oh my God! You're making me do math. I know that was me earlier. Yeah. Okay. I thought so, but I wasn't quite sure because it seemed like. 
Okay, I was 26. I was 26 at the time when it came out. And uh, I went into it after seeing Saw. Loving Saw. Absolutely loving Saw. And so I was like, ooh, the Saw dudes are making a new movie. I'm really excited to see this. And so 26-year-old Terry was very disappointed that it was not as, like, edgelordy and, like, you know, gruesome as Saw was. It was more of a traditional... Mm -hmm kind of classical uh, 1930s or Hammer style type horror movie it was mm -hmm. trying to be. Yeah. yeah. Now, rewatching it for the first time since I saw it in the movie theaters in 2007, so I'm now 40, my problem is the exact opposite. I don't think it's as ridiculous enough as it wants to be. I feel like watching this movie, particularly after watching it so closely after since watching Malignant, Oh, oh God! It's so fast. That's a really interesting trajectory. Watching those two so close together. We, uh, I was gonna say, I, I love. Oh, I love Malignant. Oh, I do too. I love Malignant. Talking about a movie that made me shriek with glee. Yes, I was cackling. shrieking with delight. Fucking cackling like like an animal, like a hyena. It's incredible I, time. Um, I watched it with my roommate for my birthday. I made breakfast for dinner and I got super high and I watched Malignant and it was one of my best Ma happy birthday fucking birthday celebrations. That's incredible. <laughs> it was very good. I guess just shrieking with glee. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So I I th I feel like. Dead Silence wants to be malignant. Mm. You know what? I would like to see the Dead Silence that James Wan would make now. I would also like to see the the Dead Silence that Leigh Whannell would would write now. Yeah, who I also adore. Because so they wrote the movie together, and I feel mm -hmm. like malignant in my in my brain, it's almost like a response to Dead Silence, like in a in like a subconscious mm -hmm. way of like, look, I know how to do like crazy shit, and. Yeah, there was definitely a lot of like studio interference with the movie, and I mean you can talk about Lee Winnell, Terry, because then I can talk about the end. We can talk about the ending later because there's a really different ending that they wrote that's like much more heartbreaking and actually makes the ending make sense rather than like Ooh. what it is now, and it just is like the hell, and then you're just which just made me just shriek. Yeah, and <laughs> you're laugh. like the fuck is this? I don't know if Lee Winnell feels the same way now. I think he probably does. But back in 2011, he wrote a blog post that is no longer on the internet, but is archived. And we will include the archive to the show notes because it is quite a read. Uh, but he, Interesting. His, the title of it is Dud Silence, The Hellish Experience of Making a Bad Horror Film. He... Damn. Hates this movie. And not only that, but making this movie disillusioned him. He was talking about how he saw Hollywood as sort of this mythical dream factory and he was desperate enough to get through the locked gates. And he was kind of like us film nerds, you know, who scoured all the behind the scenes, like tell alls, the books, the interviews. He was obsessed and he really wanted to get in there and make his, his studio film. And he said that he once he, he starts talking about caviar problems about how like he would read about things and he'd be like, Oh, those are just, that's not a real problem. You're making movies. And so it happened to him here where the same stuff that he would call a caviar problem. And he says it nearly killed him. That is a direct quote from his blog post. Mm. And he said that, you know, you listen to people because that's what you do. You're new in this place. You're green. You listen to the people you're hoping that they're going to tell you the right advice. And everyone said, you got to capitalize on saws to Sundance debut. Cause it debuted tremendously at, at Sundance, right? And you needed to lock down a pick in case it flops when it gets released. And so he, they said, you got to come up with an idea. And he had no idea. So he's like, 
talking about how he wanted to revive hammer horror films, that aesthetic. And like he had all these visions and these images of fogs hugging the ground, crawling across the moors beneath a bloated moon. This is quotes as well. We saw hundreds of dolls lined up in a madman's collection, giving you that chill from a really good Twilight Zone episode. We heard wolves howling and crows screeching and piano keys tinkling. All great stuff, but not in any way a story. And then, so he finally comes up with the story, and then the execs want the rules. They don't understand why Mary Shaw's doing this. They want to know the rules behind everything. They want to know all of that kind of stuff. And he's like, audiences don't care. They just want to be scared. But, but execs are like, but tell me, why is she doing this? And what is happening? And what are the rules behind this haunting? And then they hired a script doctor. They changed a bunch of stuff. Uh, mm. It was f- filming was hellish for James. He said, "I'm not going to speak for James. Maybe he'll tell you his side of the story." But he did say it was hellish. Then Universal did no no promotion for it, and Lee Winnell left disillusioned with Hollywood. Oh, Lee, that makes me yeah. so sad. And he's made some he's really good shit. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad to see absolute banger. I'm glad, and like for both him and Juan, I'm glad that this didn't like totally turn them off of filmmaking because then, of course, we have the Conjuring films, net films. Oh my films, god, yeah, Insidious. I don't want to live in a world where I didn't get Invisible Man and Malignant. Oh my right? god. So, I mean, thank God for they they came back because I know that this was like kind of a very big like roadblock for them. And yeah. like, look. It doesn't make a lot of sense. So the film the film opens with like, you know, a cute couple, Ryan Quantin and his wife, mm-hmm. just like being cute oh, and in love. Love him. And they have good chemistry. They did have good chemistry. I liked her a lot. I, I know it's sad that we don't get to see much of her. Right? That. No, um, she's fridged immediately. I know. So R.I.P. to that poor I woman. Know. And she's the best haircut. I love when they have like women with she had short. That Mia Farrow haircut. Yes, mm-hmm. not enough women have those kinds of haircuts in horror movies and movies in general. Let women have short hair. She had that full Rosemary's Baby haircut. But so there's a knock on the door and there's a huge box and inside of that box is uh, Billy the doll who is like on the poster has like the iconic creepy look. He is so scary. It's like the quintessential <laughs> ventriloquist doll look. Like mm-hmm. it's kind of like the he looks like fucking slappy. Yeah, I, was yeah. from the, yep. I had no, I didn't stand a chance with ventriloquist <laughs> dummies. They still freak me out between slappy and that shit. Mm-hmm. No, no. Mm-hmm. And so they're like you know they make the typical jokes like this is fucking weird ass doll. Like this is so weird. And but like they laugh about it, and so he goes to pick up their Chinese food. And Which I do have, I do have a 2021 uh, realization on this. None of this would have happened today because they would have Uber eated it. It's true; they would have had it delivered, and he would not have been leaving. Uber Eats could have saved her life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if he just Postmates it, his wife wouldn't be dead. That should be a DoorDash commercial or something. (laughs) Don't let your wife fall victim to a horror movie. Order DoorDash today. (laughs) Yep. If only he'd ordered DoorDash, his wife wouldn't be dead. (laughs) Can you imagine? Oh, my God. Can you imagine that commercial? What's Ryan Guantan up to? It can't be much. (laughs) I say that with so much love in my heart. He, he's very pretty. He is very pretty. I love oh, him. I, I think he's genuinely a delight. But he doesn't. He hasn't done much since he's True Blood. He's not the best actor. I'm sorry. He's no, not very. But good. he's very likable. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's like a little puppy dog. Mm-hmm. It's cute. Yeah. He's very likable. He he. What he lacks in like acting stuff, he makes up for in like being extremely charismatic, charismatic. And, and like yes. enjoyable to watch. Yes, definitely. That's yeah. why he was good in True Blood because so he like, played like a kind of. And he was hot. Oh, he's perfect, he's so perfect in True Blood. In True Blood. But um, 
So while he's gone, his wife is like talking to the doll and like joking around, and then it comes to life under. It's like she goes. This is one of my favorite shots of the movie when she goes into the room and it's under the sheet, and she pulls it up and like grabs her in, and she crawls out, opens her mouth, all this blood pours out, and then he he grabs her leg and pulls her back, and when. Ryan Quantin gets home. He sees his wife on the bed with her tongue mm-hmm. just ripped the fuck out of her mouth. That shot is oh, amazing. It's so good. Kudos for killing a pregnant woman in a movie, though. Yes, like, she you is. Don't see yeah, that. True. She is in fact pregnant. You see, that's typical. Looking in the mirror and looking at her stomach, everyone's favorite. And it's a plot yeah. point too. It is a plot point. Fuckery with like sheets and like like being under blankets and sheets in horror movies. Oh, you know what? James Wan loves a sheet scare because we get a good one in The Conjuring, too. Yeah. He also loves scare. old women as scary things. Insidious. He loves old women, haunted dolls, and sheet scares. Because, like, I was thinking about this. It's like, this woman reminds me of the the creepy old woman in uh, the Insidious movies, which also kind of reminds me of yes, Bath- love her. Bathsheba. From yes, the conjuring, the conjuring, which reminds oh my me God, of the by nun. The way, this is a like, wild, this is a wild thing to share. But like, um, I'm in the midst of uh, researching and writing for a, another podcast, a podcast that's covering like the true stories behind, like based on a true story horror movies. Uh-huh. And I've been up to my ears in research on the Conjuring. Oh God, good luck. Uh, <laughs> Bathsheba Shepard was a real she woman was. who didn't do any shit. Yes, I I was like I wrote something about the Conjuring and looked that up, and she was real, but like not didn't do anything. Like not in the way that the Conjuring. Also, the Warrens are no. Swindlers. She was just a regular woman <laughs> who like died of a stroke in her eighties. Like she was like normal. Yeah, the the Warrens. You've known this if you're searching oh. them. How? Oh, literally. One of my favorite, like, subheaders of an article I'm reading for um, the script I'm writing is them talking about the Perron family talking about the haunting. And one of the one of the subheaders of this article is just they the Perron family says the Warrens made things worse. <laughs> <laughs> like they came and did their little exorcism thing and then they left and then the ghost activity got worse. Yep. Sounds about right. Incredible. Um, Really, really quick sidebar. I'm so sorry to derail, but Lorraine Warren came to my college one time. Um, What? When The Conjuring 2 came out, I I didn't get to see her, but she came and did like a talk at my college, my first college, because I transferred. uh, uh, When The Conjuring 2 came out, she came and did like a talk (laughs) at my school. Um, it was. She was obviously really old. Oh my God. But she still wears Um, huge, she still wore those crazy ass collars. She did. I didn't see her at all. I like was doing. I was doing other shit. I wasn't a horror movie baby at that point, or I would have gone just for the sheer novelty. Um, but uh, I, I think actually, funnily enough, I think I stayed home and I stayed in and watched like Scream or something. Because it was like yeah. just the beginning of my horror movie cool. journey. But yeah, she did come and talk at my school, and I think about that a lot. I'm like, she was just there. It's so weird. <laughs> Incredible. I'm like, why were you there? Yeah, what? Um, but, um... Anyway. So, after, you know, after the wife dies, he goes back home to Raven's Bluff, which is, like, the most, like, fucking incredible horror, gothic horror movie name for oh. a town. Great name. Great. And, like... And th- this is where you see, like, his style, like, James Wan's style. Yes. Like, he, well, before that, too, with the shot where it zooms in on Ryan Quantin's eye and then it opens up on another scene and then zooms in on his eye again and it shows the passage of time that way. But then here, when they pull up oh. to, to Raven's, uh, 
Raven's Fall? Is that what it's called? Is it Raven's Bluff? Raven's Bluff. Raven's Bluff. Raven's Bluff. They pull up to Raven's Bluff, and the camera focuses on the the sign, Welcome to Raven's Bluff. Ugh. And then all of a sudden, he's driving through the town on the sign. And it's just such a... You can see James so Wan. It's like, that's James Wan on a right? plate. Just right there. It's so good. I just love his style so much. And Me it's too. like... the. The creepiest horror movie town of all time. It's always like cloudy. There's fog everywhere. Like you're talking with Leigh Winnell's, like talking about like the fog, and it's just like dark and mm. dank at, and like not a place you want to go. Like it does. The theater the is flooded. Yes, the atmosphere of the movie is one of the things that I think it genuinely. It's one of the needles it really does actually thread really well. It's the atmosphere is great. One hundred percent. It's so ooky spooky. It is ooky spooky. It's like it's big, just like traditional haunted house vibes. I think mm-hmm. I got a lot of mm-hmm. that, which is great. I love like I love to see a protagonist driving into a foggy ass town. It's just you I know, do. It's like oh, I can't wait. Mm-hmm. Some batchets about to go down, and I cannot fucking wait to yeah. see it happen. It gives me such like just yes, exactly. Just walking through a cemetery. That silent hill. Yes. Yes. Silent hill. Yes. Kind of like everything is bad and they're not even trying to hide it. Like Yeah. But I forgot to talk about the best character of the movie, Donnie Wahlberg's horrendous cop who is always shaving his oh, face. <laughs> Which by the way, Lee Winnell says that was not in his script. So they added the I shaving. I believe that. I believe that was Donnie Wahlberg in I believe Saw that. he was in Saw 2 Saw 2 that's right he's the guy mm-hmm. okay, he's in Saw 2 I, say, I believe that because uh, Lee Winnell writes things that make sense <laughs> like, I was like what is going on here he has a perennial dying. five o'clock sh- shadow, and he is just like constantly shaving, and it's not doing anything. It's incredible. And his death, nope. when he dies at the end, the camera's focusing on his buzzing shaver. Ridiculous, not- ridiculous fucking like visual spook, like visual goof that makes no sense. Like it doesn't. I'm like, what does this mean? And he looks annoyed to be in the movie. To be perfectly honest, yeah, he does not yeah. look like thrilled to be included. He does not feel like he wants to be there, and he like. Ugh, he just was supposed to be like, oh, you are probably murdered your wife. If he wasn't in the movie, I, I hate to say this, but he, he doesn't, doesn't add, add anything no. to the and, movie. Like, the drama between the two of them, like their stakes don't even feel that high, even it's though it's so like forced. he could be arrested. It's like this forced drama that it like, doesn't bring anything to the plot. And like, I never yeah. believe that he's actually in danger of going to jail. No. Right? Yeah. Like, it's not... I'm not not to keep pulling from like the better things that these filmmakers later went on to make, but it doesn't. It's not giving me the Invisible Man stress, no. like of wrongful conviction. That's not, yeah. No, absolutely yeah. not for me too. The other thing though is that when he gets to the town, uh, and I really realize this now, is that the way that they use color or the com- almost complete lack thereof. Like this movie is desaturated to the point that it might as well be black and white. And except for it's a like a very gray movie. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it was like, I'm watching some, like, I was like, wait, did it turn into like black and a black and white film? And then there's pops of color, like especially the reds, which is, you know, favorite color for them to use. But like, it just, it's so, it, it kind of reminds me of like a nostalgic look of like, they're trying to recreate the nostalgia of seeing, uh, you know, 1960s Hammer horror film, or even further mm-hmm. the Universal, because this is a Universal movie, and in some ways, Mary Shaw feels like she could be a Universal monster. 
Especially I with love- the script that originally was written that Mary Beth I found. love Mary Shaw. I want them to do more with her. Right? Like, I'd love a Mary Shaw franchise. Like, I think that she's... I love a creepy... I love a creepy, ghostly lady. I love... This is not a subgenre, but it is a thing that will guarantee that I love your movie. I love a fucking creepy rhyme. Oh. Love a creepy rhyme. Always love a creepy love a rhyme. Creepy Every rhyme. single time. And, but so... I so guess. we're talking since we're talking about Mary Shaw, like and her villainy, which is incredible. And there's a particular scene that I um, I love when she is in the crawl space at the coroner's house, and mm. it's like the it's like such a, a I love che- a Chekhov's crawl space because his his <laughs> wife who has dementia he finds her in there and is like, get out of there. So you're like, okay, so something fucking weird is going to happen in this crawl space. It's in a morgue, mm-hmm. basically. Like, come on now. Oh, um, God, yes. So he thinks his wife is in the crawl space and he goes in there and something slams the door shut. And he's like, mm. the flashlight is looking around and he shines it on like a beam and you just see a creepy hand with like oh, hand. long yeah. fingers. And it's just like, goes away and i was like classic james wan it's such it's so james wan it's incredible like it's so fucking creepy because any again for me anything with like a flashlight shining and like illuminating something in a tiny circle will always get my ass like Mm -hmm. here's the thing that gets me in the way that like i was talking about horror video games getting me that first person pov feeling yep and like that like it feels helpless it yes! feels too real it does and like found footage is that a lot too and like that's one of my favorite things in found footage <laughs> it's why found footage works on me yeah, so well exactly and then he's like i know and like this guy like has been is in the know about the mary shaw stuff he's like lived in the town forever oh, like yeah. reveals the whole thing about her like after she was murdered by all the men in town like mary shaw is now death is like her lot in her terrible like in her terrible like no rest death is like hunting down every offspring of the people who killed her Mm -hmm. honestly mary did nothing wrong no and we'll talk more about that because the end the ending that i want and i wish it happened is really incredible about her but so she like she shows up in the crawl space with like her close-up of her she comes out of the shadow with a creepy ass (laughs) face and then he screams because that's what you do you do and she gets his tongue yeah yeah, good for her. She gets to nab that tongue. The Mary Shaw, as portrayed in this movie, I'm watching this and I'm like, wait, this story is literally Freddy Krueger. She she did something bad. Townsfolk killed her. Now she's coming back to kill the, the children of, of the townsfolk. It's literally oh, Freddy Krueger. Oh, interesting. Oh, interesting. Uh-huh. I mean, a lot of vengeful spirits target bloodlines. I don't yeah. know if it's just Freddy no, Krueger that has a... <laughs> Plus, she has that gnarly tongue. She has that gnarly tongue, and that's what happens in the Freddy Krueger movie. Uh, Then where are her knife fingers? Well, she has long ones, though. (laughs) That's true, she does. God, you're right. This is the same. (laughs) James Wan was ripping off Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, God. This is the new uh, Halloween is a Texas Chainsaw ripoff. That whole discourse. That whole discourse. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean <laughs> silence comes over the crowd, and we're just like, ugh, God. Okay, speaking of which, the silence in this movie, I don't understand. Ripping um, out the tongue. It's in you the can't title. Talk when you have no tongue. But um, it's in the title. But what, it's called dead silence. But why does everything no, like slow to a crawling, it super quiet? Don't ask questions. <laughs> I, oh my god, I'm turning to the exec that were asking about the rules. I'm so I sorry. About that part. I'm sorry, Lee Winnell. And I was like, oh yeah, why does that happen? I, I, who, 
Because. Because it's freaky. Because it's magic. Because. Creepy magic. I don't know. Because ghost, um, because no tongue. Puppets. I don't fucking know. Like, whatever. Dolls are quiet. I'm just saying shit. Um, <laughs> just saying shit. Because, I, 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 rule of creepy. Why not I'll buy that. For the fun. rule of creepy. I, I feels like such a th- rule that of feels creepy. like such a thing that execs would add. Like we gotta have a weird moment to indicate the ghost is near. You know what I mean? Like it just that is also a very big like personal thing. Like I'm not a uh, I'm not like a I'll nitpick when something isn't good enough. Like it is bad enough that I require. If this makes sense, yeah. like if something's funny enough or scary enough or engaging enough, I will not nitpick. So like if something scares me, I'll just be like. Uh, it's okay, but it doesn't make sense. <laughs> well, it's kind of what Lee Winnell said. It was like, you know, the audience is not going to care as long as you make them terrified. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly how I feel about, or something like Malignant, where I'm like, I don't care that it makes no sense. It's fun as fuck. Um, this is not a movie I want to make sense. This does not right. need to make sense. Yeah. Fuck that. Who cares? Like, yeah. like you said. And I think that's why I for- keep forgetting about the slowing down of time. It's, like, I forgot about it again until you mentioned it, Terry, because it's so yes. weird, but, like, did not bother me in the slightest. It was just kind of left my brain. I also think that brain. was, like, a weird... I also feel like that was a weird, like, mid-2000s stylistic thing that just popped up Probably. in movies. That's a good point. That is a very good point. Because they kind of did that shit with, like, those Guy Ritchie, Sherlock Holmes movies. Oh, my God. They did versions of that. about those movies. With, like, like I, I feel like it was just, like, a weird, like, a trend. Yeah. yeah. Like, in the early 2000s, they did, like, the whole, like, really quick editing of people, like, moving their heads really quickly. And, like, it looks like yeah. it's sped up. Yeah. I feel like that was just, like, a, like, I feel like trends kind of cycle through with style. And I think that, honestly, we're trying to assign meaning and figure out something <laughs> that was probably just, like, someone went, hey, this is cool and we can do it. So, okay. You're talking about Mary Shaw. And I mm-hmm. want to, I want to, to read or, like, kind of go through an article that I, I, I fully, I edited this article for Film Cred when I worked there. But Jamie Alvey wrote this incredible piece about Dead Silence and about the alternate ending that's both, there's a deleted alternate ending on the DVD, but also from the screenplay that gives Mary Shaw and Ella Ashen, who is um, Ryan Quantin's stepmom, who is revealed to be the, the ultimate villain at the end. But so originally they had more backstory and it was a super tragic backstory. So Mary Shaw not Mary Shaw. So the screenplay was about how Mary Shaw is actually a victim of domestic violence and the oh, from shit. her husband and her dolls were how she was going to cope was coping with the violence. And then it's revealed that sadly she loses a child due to the, the abuse. Like she miscarries and then she's no longer able to get no. pregnant. And so in a, a you know, in reaction to that, she kind of spirals and starts viewing her dolls as her kids because she's just so fucked up over what happened with her husband. So the dolls become like her kids. So mm. it's a much more kind of tragic backstory that adds a little, a much more complexity to her character rather than just like the weird old lady who had a bunch of dolls. And so Mary. I know. And so when. So actually, and then years later, Mary's husband is the one who cuts out her tongue as punishment for talking back to him. She survives, but she is no longer able to work as a ventriloquist, so she commits suicide. And her vengeful kind of spirit is born. Um, And it doesn't really, like, and so it doesn't really go into much about how that kind of changes the rest of the story, but it's kind of like she's got a much more kind of dark 
dark past rather than just like the oh, old Mary. yeah I know and I and then um so that is just like I thought that was fascinating like that would have been I think really fascinating with her as a character like not just kind of mm-hmm. like a like a caricature of like an old lady ghost so yeah I thought that was like a really kind of sad as shit but like I think really com- like complex version of what this ghost story could have been absolutely yeah and then so before I read this about Ella, so Ella at the so okay, Ryan yes. Quantin's Say Ryan it. Quantin comes from Raven's Bluff. His dad is very wealthy. He has this giant fucking house, and mm. his dad is shown to be in a wheelchair after having a stroke two months ago. And yes. you know, at the, end, at the end of the movie, it is revealed that Ella has made him into a human ventriloquist doll, and for the entire movie, has been making his mouth move and using and having his dead body pushing his dead body around and feeding it because <laughs> the the yes. pipe is hollow, and you see gruel she's, pouring out of a pipe. Yep, she's got like a pipe, and she's moving it around. Oh, it's amazing. It is absolutely incredible like it is so fucking ridiculous and this is like the last like it is unfucking hinged last like four minutes of this movie too like it is like there's it's so unhinged and there's nothing it's just like the very end and then it's like okay goodbye but it's also last minute twist yes but it's also revealed like it was in saw the way that it's revealed where it's like this music and these quick shots of like all the stuff that's like making sense now of it's like it's it's basically the the saw reveal played again for for the end of this movie which I was like, hell yeah. <laughs> and so it's just like the whole movie, she hasn't really been much of anything. And then at the end, it's like, she did it. And then you're like, but why the fuck? Like, what the, the fuck why? was the fucking purpose? So again, going back yeah. to this article, because I just learned a lot from it. And I think it's such a better fucking story. Yeah. Um, the alternate, the alternate ending of the movie and the original screenplay kind of go much more into why Ella is the accomplice and actually, they had a very similar story, parallel stories with the abuse, because Ella also loses a child due to Jamie, um, Ryan Quantin's dad, Charles, abusing her. So oh. she also had a similar oh, miscarriage. And so after the loss of her child, she started hearing Mary Shaw's voice um, because their stories were so similar. It's Raven's Bluff, like, they, you know, that connection. And then they basically like have they basically like work together to make the perfect doll, and like that's how they're connected. It's much more kind of like a vengeful woman <sighs> getting revenge for how men treated them, <gasps> which is so much more interesting of a story. And you know, is my shit. I know this is your shit, and that's my shit too. Of like women trying to get break cycles of abuse and like hurt the men who hurt them, and like that yeah. to me is infinitely more interesting. And I'm so mm-hmm. pissed they didn't get to make that movie because holy shit i know right it's incredible and see that sort of feeds into my original theory that they wanted to make you know that kind of classic universal monster movie because those monsters in those movies weren't completely the villain there was there they had pathos they had pathos there was empathy behind them they they were sort of like that sort of noble there's some kind of noble quality to them that like you can kind of relate to them and you can and you they're 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 played for you know kind of that empathetic kind of sad idea like they're, they're yes they do horrible things but their story is also one that is a, usually tragedy and so i think that that kind of originally would have played more into what i think lee winnell and james wanted to do here before studio interference kind of fucked it up 
Damn. And so, listeners, we'll link this in the notes of the podcast because the article is incredible. And then we, she also has the links to the alternate beginning, the alternate beginning where they explain Mary Shaw's story, the alternate ending, and a draft of the script. So you can see all of this oh, stuff fuck. and like and read it. But I just, you know, I think, damn, that would have been a good fucking movie. Yeah, justice for Mary. Justice for Mary Shaw. Women getting revenge and being villains, but you can understand why. Good for her yeah. cinema. <laughs> also, God, that makes her little scary rhyme more depressing. Right? I know. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Not she had no children, only dolls. Yeah, because her husband's a piece of shit. Yeah. So. Fuck. Yeah, I know. It's a downer. But God. Before we do end, uh, though, I would like to, to bring up the fucking theater that is flooded wait the one they rode the boat to and i was like oh wait it's in the middle of an island it's so phantom of the opera (laughs) the one that ryan had to yes phantom of the opera exactly i was like i was waiting for like dun 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 he's like holding up like the the lantern and stuff i'm like this is so phantom of the opera and uh, sleep you sang to me yeah just (laughs) the fan yeah yeah that's that's what i I wanted to break out in song like it just it was so good it it was so phantom of the opera but again so universal monster because Family Opera was a Universal Monster movie, but like it's true, it's it's like that whole scene, and then the whole theater itself is so gothic. It, it's so just like mm, this is perfect. This is a perfect set piece. Uh, I love the reveal where they when he goes in there and there's just the wall of dolls. Oh, I love that that whole so part. Good. I wanted more of that. I wanted more of that, and I wanted more of the bonkers like reveal with the the bar that's also yes, used for God. feeding. I really can't get enough of the dead body as a ventriloquist dummy. I that also <gasps> reminds me of the weird clown doll they have. It was in the trailer, and they always like. I was like, they only had a clown doll because you know that everyone's scared of clowns. And I was like, there's no none of this yeah. shit looks like that. Like none of it is clowns. So I thought that was such a. F- and probably I was, saw. Yeah. What? And probably saw. Oh yeah. It was just funny because I was like, guys, come on now. I know that this and is none just, of her shit is clowns. None of her shit is clowns. But I just thought that was funny because like, in the trailer. Apparently- uh, you can easy. see the the saw doll apparently in one <gasps> you of can. the. You really? can. That's, that's right. I yes, I've seen that before. I haven't seen it, but uh, I've 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 heard that's that. That's very cute. That's cute. Also, um, one last thing about the dolls when they also coming to life and she's like coming out of their faces in that horrible mm. CGI and <laughs> Brian Quantin's character selling like Donnie Wahlberg to shoot all of them. I'm like, there are hundreds of dolls. You're not have enough ammo. These, Run, motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so funny. It's so funny. Shoot them. I was like, dudes, there's too many of them. Um, and that's just he me. doesn't know anything. It's true. Nothing no, he's up just there. A pretty boy. Not, Nothing up there. Not one single not one thing. Thought. But that's okay because we still love him. Head, Head empty. empty. Oh, buddy. That's so nice. So, should we wrap up and give this our rating out of five? We absolutely should. I'm down. Okay. Terry, how many gnarly tongues out of five do you give Dead Silence? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Our friendship hangs in the balance. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm going to. I'm gonna have to give it two and a half. I'm uh, sorry, it's that's not higher than I thought you were gonna go. That is higher than I thought so, too. Well, it, it's it's two and a half because I really I did enjoy this conversation. I I think that like it kind there's there's things in here that talking about this movie again. There's things in here that I really do love. I love the the batshit ending. I love the the gothic uh, atmosphere. I love the fact that when he goes to bury the the 
Billy, he's going to a cemetery that is, of course, filled with fog. Because, of course, in these kind of movies, that's what has to happen and has to be. And you can't just bury him anywhere. You have to bring him back to his grave because... I will also say, just a side note, I have... I've always wanted cemeteries to be full of fog. Like when I watch horror oh, movies, I'm like, oh yeah, they'll always be full absolutely. of fog. No, they're they have to just be. fucking grass with brocks in them. No, no right? they have to have fog. Otherwise, what's the point? What's the point? <laughs> what's the point of this cemetery? The point There's of no this. fog. <laughs> Fuck your cemetery. <laughs> so- <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Please, no zombies come get me. Jesus, I'm scared now. Plus, I'm on the We're 15th floor of my apartment. So no. <laughs> you, got, you got a long You'll way. You'll be fine. Long but, they can't climb that high. <laughs> but, but yeah, so I, there are moments in here I really think are great. My, my problem is, and my problem isn't necessarily with either the two of them. It's what the product that we ended up getting, I don't think is either A, as gnarly as the studio's execs probably wanted it to be. It's not like a Saw redo just with a ghost story, which I think is what the execs probably wanted. But it's also not, I think, I don't think it meets that kind of camp feel that a lot of it feels like it's going for. So I just, I feel, mm-hmm. eh, I don't feel really anything about this movie. I thought, I thought it was kind of boring in spots rewatching it, to be mm. honest. But, and I, I honestly, I think part of it is because it was just, I really just saw Malignant, which is, top of my list of movies of this year just absolutely loved so so good yeah i think i'm being generous with that half it's probably more closer to it too but i'm gonna cut one of those one of those gnarly tongues in half and toss (laughs) it up to two and a half for me what about you (laughs) those those tongues though are so gnarly like just so gross and like Oh, they're so yucky. Tentacly. I love it. Like, I, I don't even know what's going on there. Muscles? If I could say <laughs> the movie could use more goo. Yes. It could definitely use more goo. I want a little bit more blood. Mm. I like a wetter movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I just I do. Like a wet movie. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I love a goopy. I've been watching a lot of Cronenberg. Mm. I love a wet, goopy movie. I yep. think that's what this was missing. What yeah. about you, Mary Beth? Um... <sighs> I think I'm gonna have to okay. This is this is gonna be high, but like a three and a half. I wow. know that there okay. are problems, and I know that it doesn't make sense. But I have so much fucking fun watching this stupid movie, and most of those yeah. stars come from just how much fun I have with it. So it's like a very personal thing, not necessarily based on like technique. I know that there are mechanics that make zero sense, but goddamn, if some of these scare scenes are just so well constructed, and I think. I might also, I just love James Wan, and I think I, watching it now after, like, being a fan of his and watching his kind of career evolve, watching it now, I actually have a much bigger appreciation for it, because you see how his style is growing. Like, you don't see it as much in Saw, because it's so different from all the other things that he makes later. Like, there's some influences, but, like, with dead silence like you're really seeing his like, sensibilities with ghosts and like this kind of scares he comes known for and his visual style and i think that it's just really cool to see that evolution but also see that he's kind of like been building on this for so long and i just don't yeah. think it deserves to be as maligned as it is and i love knowing the his the context behind it obviously i'm not rating like the alternate stuff but it's just kind of cool to know that context and i'm so sad that they hated so much and that it was just a fucking nightmare to make and that's like a bummer to me, mm-hmm. but I still love this movie. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it's great. So, three and a half for me, purely mostly because I love it so much. But, Addison, you have the final word. How many gnarled tongues? Okay. 
I think uh, similar reasons to yours. Uh, three for the movie we got. Five if we'd gotten the movie they wanted. <laughs> I know. Seriously, God, I I can't think about it too hard because then I get really mad. <laughs> That's fair. And then honestly, I'm always gonna have like a like a soft spot for it because it has so, a place in such like a weird story from my childhood. Great story. <laughs> so good. Um, and and because it offered me this very unique sense of relief watching it as an adult and being like. Oh, this is what I was scared of the whole time. <laughs> That's awesome, though. That is, I love that story. Like, this is what I was so scared of. Yep, that is exactly what you were so scared of. <laughs> I'm like, it's just, I'm like, it's just Jason Stackhouse <laughs> in a Phantom of the Opera boat, leaning over with his lamp, just like, yeah. Where do I go? And again, I love a, a spooky little rhyme. So it is a great rhyme. It's a great, it's a great rhyme. rhyme. Ooh. Anyway, um, <laughs> well, thank you so much, Addison, for joining us to talk about Dead Silence. Where can our listeners? Oh my God, thank you for having me. Of course. Where can our listeners find you, and what do you have coming up that you can share? Oh, um, so um, I'm mostly on Twitter. That's where I'm most active in terms of my digital presence. So that's uh, at Addison underscore Peacock, A D D I S O N underscore, and then Peacock like the bird. It's it's just my name. Um, I. Uh, have you know i'm I'm still writing at various places i've got stuff coming up uh on uh dread i've got um stuff coming up at fandom i'm at slash film uh now in doing the features in the film and tv side of it i am on gonna be on there's an upcoming season of the uh scp archives podcast on the bloody disgusting network uh and then i actually just wrote my first episode of there's a horror comedy podcast i just started doing a little bit of writer's room work with uh called less is morgue and my first episode of that is coming out in the new year oh excited oh my gosh that's so cool very excited about it i'm very proud of it that's Uh, an incredible name for the podcast Oh, it's it's fantastic! It's a great show. More people people should listen to it. It's a it's a horror comedy, uh, fiction podcast about a ghost and a ghoul that host a podcast together. Um, Amazing! I wrote my first episode of it. It's called Live Scream, and it comes out uh, in the new cool. year. Cool. So. And we'll, listeners will link to all these projects and stuff in the show notes, yeah. so you can check all that stuff out. Um, but listeners, you've heard from us. We want to hear from you. What's your experience with Dead Silence? Are you a lover or a hater of the film? I feel like there's no in between. <laughs> there's not. Even though, Terry, you were very you were very measured in your assessment of Dead Silence. Um, <laughs> you can send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail.com, or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. I'm at MB McAndrews. And I'm a Gaily Dreadful. And of course, don't forget to follow the podcast on Twitter at scarredpodcast. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe. Thank you to Eric Power for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our music. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe out there. But most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time, I just realized my tongue is blue. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is the briefing room? 
It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.